Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...to believe we were equal to any item in the performance except that complicated smile. The consul also said we ought to draft a little address to the emperor and present it to one of his aides-de-camp, who would forward it to him at the proper time. Therefore, five gentlemen were appointed to prepare the document, and the fifty others went sadly smiling about the ship, practicing. During the next twelve hours we had the general appearance, somehow, of being at a funeral, where everybody was sorry the death had occurred, but glad it was over, where everybody was smiling, and yet broken-hearted. A committee went ashore to wait on His Excellency the Governor-General and learn our fate. At the end of three hours of boating suspense, they came back and said the Emperor would receive us at noon the next day, would send carriages for us, would hear the address in person. The Grand Duke Michael had sent to invite us to his palace also. Any man could see that there was an intention here to show that Russia's friendship for America was so genuine as to render even her private citizens objects worthy of kindly attentions. At the appointed hour we drove out three miles, and assembled in the handsome garden in front of the Emperor's palace. We formed a circle under the trees before the door, for there was no one room in the house able to accommodate our threescore persons comfortably, and in a few minutes the Imperial family came out bowing and smiling and stood in our midst. A number of great dignitaries of the Empire, in undress unit forms, came with them. With every bow His Majesty said a word of welcome. I copy these speeches. There is character in them, Russian character, which is politeness itself, and the genuine article. The French are polite, but it is often mere ceremonious politeness. A Russian imbues his polite things with a heartiness, both of phrase and expression, that compels belief in their sincerity. As I was saying, the Tsar punctuated his speeches with bows. "'Good morning! I am glad to see you. I am gratified.' I am delighted. I am happy to receive you." All took off their hats, and the consul inflicted the address on him. He bore it with unflinching fortitude, then took the rusty-looking document and handed it to some great officer or other to be filed away among the archives of Russia in the stove. He thanked us for the address, and said he was very much pleased to see us, especially as such friendly relations existed between Russia and the United States. The Empress said the Americans were favorites in Russia, and she hoped the Russians were similarly regarded in America. These were all the speeches that were made, and I recommend them to parties who present policemen with gold watches, as models of brevity and point. After this the Empress went and talked sociably, for an Empress, with various ladies around the circle. 
several gentlemen entered into a disjointed general conversation with the emperor the dukes and princes admirals and maids of honor dropped into free and easy chat with first one and then another of our party and whoever chose stepped forward and spoke with the modest little grand duchess marie the czar's daughter she is fourteen years old light-haired blue-eyed unassuming and pretty everybody talks english the emperor wore a cap frock-coat and pantaloons all of some kind of plain white drilling cotton or linen and sported no jewelry or any insignia whatever of rank no costume could be less ostentatious he is very tall and spare and a determined-looking man though very pleasant-looking one nevertheless it is easy to see that he is kind and affectionate there is something very noble in his expression when his cap is off there is none of that cunning in his eye that all of us noticed in louis napoleon's the empress and the little grand duchess wore simple suits of foulard or foulard silk i don't know which is proper with a small blue spot in it the dresses were trimmed with blue both ladies wore broad blue sashes about their waists linen collars and clerical ties of muslin low-crowned straw hats trimmed with blue velvet parasols and flesh-colored gloves the grand duchess had no heels on her shoes i do not know this of my own knowledge but one of our ladies told me so i was not looking at her shoes i was glad to observe that she wore her own hair plaited in thick braids against the back of her head instead of the uncomely thing they call a waterfall which is about as much like a waterfall as a canvas-covered ham is like a cataract taking the kind expression that is in the emperor's face and the gentleness that is in his young daughters into consideration i wondered if it would not tax the czar's firmness to the utmost to condemn a supplicating wretch to misery in the wastes of siberia if she pleaded for him every time their eyes met i saw more and more what a tremendous power that weak diffident schoolgirl could wield if she chose to do it many and many a time she might rule the autocrat of russia whose lightest word is law to seventy millions of human beings she was only a girl and she looked like a thousand others i have seen but never a girl provoked such a novel and peculiar interest in me before a strange new sensation is a rare thing in this humdrum life and i had it here there was nothing stale or worn out about the thoughts and feelings the situation and the circumstances created it seemed strange stranger than i can tell to think that the central figure in the cluster of men and women chatting here under the trees like the most ordinary individual in the land was a man who could open his lips and ships would fly through the waves locomotives would speed over the plains couriers would hurry from village to village a hundred telegraphs would flash the word to the four corners of an empire that stretches its vast proportions over a seventh part of the habitable globe and a countless multitude of men would spring to do his bidding i had a sort of vague desire to examine his hands and see if they were of flesh and blood like other men's here was a man who could do this wonderful thing and yet if i chose i could knock him down the case was plain but it seemed preposterous nevertheless as preposterous as trying to knock down a mountain or wipe out a continent if this man sprained his ankle a million miles of telegraph would carry the news over mountains valleys uninhabited deserts under the trackless sea and ten thousand newspapers would prate of it if he were grievously ill all the nations would know it before the sun rose again 
If he dropped lifeless where he stood, his fall might shake the thrones of half a world. If I could have stolen his coat, I would have done it. When I meet a man like that, I want something to remember him by. As a general thing, we have been shown through palaces by some plush-legged filigreed flunky or other who charged a franc for it. But after talking with the company half an hour, the Emperor of Russia and his family conducted us all through their mansion themselves. They made no charge. They seemed to take a real pleasure of it. We spent half an hour idling through the palace, admiring the cozy apartments and the rich but eminently homelike appointments of the place. And then the imperial family bade our party a kind good-bye, and proceeded to count the spoons. An invitation was extended to us to visit the palace of the eldest son, the Crown Prince of Russia, which was near at hand. The young man was absent, but the dukes and countesses and princes went over the premises with us as leisurely as was the case at the Emperor's, and conversations continued as lively as ever. It was a little after one o'clock now. We drove to the Grand Duke Michael's, a mile away, in response to his invitation previously given. We arrived in twenty minutes from the Emperor's. It is a lovely place. The beautiful palace nestles among the grand old groves of the park. The park sits in the lap of the picturesque crags and hills, and both look out upon the breezy ocean. In the park are rustic seats, here and there, in secluded nooks that are dark with shade. There are rivulets of crystal water. There are lakelets with inviting grassy banks. There are glimpses of sparkling cascades through openings in the wilderness of foliage. There are streams of clear water gushing from mimic knots on the trunks of forest trees. There are miniature marble temples perched upon gray old crags. There are airy lookouts whence one can gaze upon a broad expanse of landscape and ocean. The palace is modeled after the choicest forms of Grecian architecture. And its wide colonnades surround a central court that is banked with rare flowers that fill the place with their fragrance, and in their midst springs a fountain that cools the summer air and may possibly breed mosquitoes, but I do not think it does. The Grand Duke and his Duchess came out, and the presentation ceremonies were as simple as they had been at the Emperor's. In a few minutes, conversation was under way as before. The Empress appeared in the veranda. And the little Grand Duchess came out into the crowd. They had beaten us there. In a few minutes, the Emperor came himself on horseback. It was very pleasant. You can appreciate it if you ever visited royalty and felt occasionally that possibly you might be wearing out your welcome, though, as a general thing, I believe royalty is not scrupulous about discharging you when it is done with you. The Grand Duke is the third brother of the Emperor, is about thirty seven years old, perhaps. And is the princeliest figure in Russia. He is even taller than the Tsar, as straight as an Indian, and bears himself like one of those gorgeous knights we read about in romances of the Crusades. He looks like a great hearted fellow who would pitch an enemy into the river in a moment, and then jump in and risk his life fishing him out again. The stories they tell of him show him to be of a brave and generous nature. He must have been desirous of proving that America.